welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is Season 1, Episode 3 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This broadcast is available on YouTube in video format and also on 10 different podcast platforms including Spotify and Stitcher. Before we get started, I have a shout out to give to some new patrons. Thank you so much for joining my Patreon. I've created three tiers that are all very reasonable, ranging from $1 to $10 a month. A big thank you to ASMR Patterns and Dave Vaughn at the Buffalo Bayou level, and Joseph Hassan and Lawrence Group at the Braze Bayou level. Thank you so much for your patronage. If you'd like to become a patron, there is a link to my Patreon in the description, and literally any amount helps. Please keep in mind while you are listening, watching, you know, whatever you're doing, that Dave is not in the U.S. He is overseas where he is teaching, and sometimes the connection gets a little bit wonky, so I just want you to be aware of that. Now, I'll sit back and enjoy what Dave has to share with us. Welcome back, Dave. Um, thank you so much for joining me again, and we can continue this. So this is part two of our original discussion, and we ended with your volcano. So go ahead and give us like a quick overview of what that was in case anybody did not see that part or doesn't remember it. Sure. So the, the volcano sort of came to me as a, a concept that someone had just sort of made as a passing remark on, on Facebook. I dug into it a little bit more and I didn't want to just treat it as a, a passing remark. And um, I found some interesting mechanisms that they that could be used to describe the inner workings that happen with an MLM. So you obviously have the sort of chamber of, of fluid, which is kind of that sort of mixture of gases and molten rock that that's the product. Like that, that's what most people think is the danger within volcano, that's the kind of the source of of of, of what drives the profit but in fact really what's happening there is your tectonic plates that are shifting in towards each other that are causing greater pressure which is ultimately going to cause that volcano to explode those tectonic plates that are shifting in are, are, are the recruits that you're sort of sort of making part of the whole system right so it, it's sort of this disguised sort of reasoning as to what's happening within uh, MLM in order to drive that profit up or, or towards the people. Uh, when it erupts, a, a volcano explodes and rocks fly everywhere. Uh, it's similar in fashion to what you typically see in the top layer of, of most pyramids. People stay there for quite some time, but then they often have new ideas or exciting new opportunities that are gonna put them higher in other pyramids. So they eject from the pyramid and, and, and get involved in, in some other um, sort of scheme. Um, the smoke that comes out of the volcano is obviously the thing that affects the most number of people and, and um, you can sort of look at that as being all of the first party scientific studies that come out of these research centers that are completely sort of, they're, they're, they're really sort of targeting that our product is the best product in the world and it's going to change everything for everyone so you need to start using it. Um, and also the deceptive income claim. So the fact that you can make six-figure income in two to three years or have a passive source of income that's going to save you for the rest of your life so you don't have to do the 45-year plan that um, most other schmucks are, are stuck doing. Uh, within the volcano system as well, you also have kind of the, the secondary plumes, so the secondary pyramids that sort of build off of there. So these are like the people who are coming in and saying, like, I have a brand new idea that you can use this system within this MLM in order to guarantee yourself income that's different than the path that they're telling you to do. So people are sort of building their own profit centers off of this MLM scheme. So 
Um, I, I found it was interesting in that way to look at it. Um, it, it again, it doesn't cover, cover everything and it still has that sort of same basic pyramid scheme shape. So it's, it's a bit more technical, but for those who have been involved in the industry a little bit longer, it can sort of describe some of those more unique aspects that happen within it. It definitely makes sense to me, especially like the break off part, because as I was, you know, trying to crack that nut of beach body in, you know, thought everything was great if I could just find the right system. And so there were these break off things of coaching opportunities, just all this stuff that I ran around all over the world trying to, you know, like implement what they said right. and it didn't work. Yeah. No, it, it certainly is discouraging. So it, it that's that's one way to look at it. What I do want to transition to now, though, is the more common way and, and using the, the term pyramid scheme to look at it. So I, I'll transition to uh, a screen share um, and okay. we can pick up from there. Sounds good. All right. So that was the volcano. Um, when we talk about the pyramid model, um, Robert Fitzpatrick is, is a key figure that it is important to sort of uh, discuss. Um, I know that you'll be talking to him if you haven't already talking, talked to him already when this video airs, but um, he is arguably one of the people who has, has done the most work in this area um, that's still around today. Uh, John M. Taylor, I think, was a, a big sort of inspirational force for Robert Fitzpatrick in terms of putting in the time and effort into these projects, um, and he's certainly sort of taken up that, that hold of of continuing to sort of focus on this area. So um, he uh, is managing pyramidschemealert.org uh, and he also has a forthcoming book called Ponzi Nomics, which I think most people who, if you're watching this video, you should also pick this one up because it goes through a lot of the history of, of, of MLM and what sort of made it possible. Um, he's, he's got an incredible mind for being able to describe um, this complex sort of situation that had to unfold in order for this industry to become what it is. Um, and he describes, to my understanding, I haven't read it myself, but to my understanding, he, he's going to describe many of these sort of things that made it possible specifically as it relates to the government being involved and, and possibly not sort of fully doing their due diligence. So um, definitely check it out. Uh, he typically discusses uh, in his work, which again, he's going to be able to give it far more justice than anything I can do, but he discusses endless chain of recruitment, uh, which, which is this concept that in order for the pyramid to survive, you need to keep finding more and more people in order to make it thrive. And it, what ends up happening is you get caught in this churning cycle of like the, it doesn't really grow the pyramid at all, but you just have a constant influx of new recruits and old recruits dropping out and it, it, it sort of thrives on, on, on this situation when it runs out of, of uh, market potential or, or new market potential in, in other countries or um, releasing new products. Um, they can't really find the, the sort of chain progression that they would need in order to expand the base of the pyramid. So they just keep on sort of chasing after new groups of people to just sort of replace the ones that are leaving. Um, there is obviously, as you go through this, people are learning about this experience. The hope is, um, <laughs> I, it is common within MLM for, for people to transition to another MLM, just because you do have that hope um, that it was just that product that I was selling, or it was 
just those people that I was working with that they didn't understand what I was doing. And that's understandable because of the sort of ambition that they instill in you um, when you attend these meetings or when you um, first get exposed to this idea. Um, so you do have the sense that you could try another one. Um, but Robert uh, does like to sort of emphasize and sort of illustrate using simple mathematics that there is a limitation to the expansion of these pyramids. So um, depending on the factor of expansion, you're sort of limited to ultimately like 22 layers of growth for a two-factor expansion or or 16, I believe it is, for, for a six-factor expansion. So um, you're not going to get many levels deep if you fill up all of those levels, which which isn't typically happening, which is, again, one of the reasons why I would like to sort of examine this pyramid model, because it does offer a lot of insight, but perhaps it's it's imperfect in, in using it as, as a term. Um, if not only because when we talk about pyramid schemes with people who seem to be in them, um, they have awareness in terms of handling that conversation um, that puts them in control of that conversation because they have an exactly established way of speaking about it. So we can throw them off their game in, in terms of being able to approach them with a concern on a new term. And perhaps it's going to put us in a position where we can then sort of help help educate people on, on the concerns that we have with, with that situation. Because uh, again, the, this term has been around for a long time. Um, what I want to do is, because it's such a well-established structure, I, uh, I thought it was worthwhile going through a basic economic model. Um, within economic models, it's, it's very important to lay out your assumptions first. Um, I haven't done a great deal of, uh, of doing that here. Um, I'll try to go through it the best I can. Um, <coughs> for people that are in these uh, organizations, they're, they're not going to have to pay $1,000 a month to be a part of them. That, that, that's just not feasible. The whole point of MLM is that it's very low risk. I didn't set it up, so it's time is equal to one month at a time. I just set time as a non-unit uh, variable. In this case, you can think about time equaling one being, say, 10 months. So you're only expected to spend about $100 within the business each month, and that $100 activates your eligibility for commissions. Um, the way that this model is set up is, is I wanted to make it as simple as possible, so I set up a commission pot. So that $1,000 that everyone pays in, there's a 10% commission that sits on top of that that then gets redistributed around the people who are involved in the scheme. Um, the top third of the pyramid, so depending on the, the number of people in it, the level top third um, will get two-thirds of the commission pot, and then those in the middle tiers will get one-third of the commission pot, leaving the ones at the bottom with, with no commission, which is typically what you're seeing. I mean, if you look at the income um, statements, you, you have wealth or 60% of those uh, within the pyramid typically not making any income at all and typically just losing the, the investment that they're trying to make in order to sort of recover that. So um, I, I, I tried to sort of model this after what I, what I was seeing and, and try to establish that kind of system and, and mechanism um, just to sort of be able to explain what's going on. Um, because again, Robert does a very good job of sort of illustrating this simply with mathematics, but I thought that 
that there was even a, a deeper story to tell here when you put money into the system. So I, I, I kind of wanted to describe what was happening there. So within this system, everyone is, is perfect. They're, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So when I recruit three friends, they're going to go out by the next time period and recruit those next three friends. And those next three friends are going to pay $1,000 just like they're supposed to. Within economics, it's possible to sort of model people who are not going to do those decisions as perfectly as, as you would like them to. Um, but that gets into <laughs> complicated formulas, which I admittedly would not do perfectly. I, I, I would need to do PhD studies in economics to do that well. And uh, also, I, I feel it would, it would lose, <laughs> it's already quite complicated, but it, it would also lose the attention of many people that I'd be trying to sort of illustrate it to. So I didn't want to go that technical with it. Um, the only technical thing that I added in here was I wanted to make sure that if you're at the top of these pyramids, that you're sort of an elite class. Like you're a special kind of person who's involved in this organization. You don't want everyone just easily leaping up into this, this top tier. So you wanted to make it more elite. So I did something in economics and I think business also uses the term. I made the middle tier sticky. Sticky being the fact that um, it's difficult for you to move up, up beyond this rank or beyond this level. Um, so the, the middle tier requires that the bottom tier must have the same number of groups in it as the middle tier in order for the top person in that middle tier to move up. So it, I'll, I'll show you what I mean as, as I go through the model, but um, that, that's just a basic description of, of what it means. So it, when you look at it in time one, Everyone's paying their $1,000, so you have $13,000 being paid in, um, and there's a $1,300 pot of commission, right? Because that 10% that they're getting from that 1,000 is then being redistributed through the people involved in the organization. The middle gets paid $144 when it's split up among those three people. Um, which amounts to a $866 loss, and those at the top still lose as well. Um, these percentages represent the total size of the network. So this would just be one divided by 13, because there's 13 people here, there's one person at the top, they represent 7.69% of the whole pyramid. Um, I wanted to track that because I wanted to illustrate how this number is uh, decreasing as you grow the pyramid. So the ones that are successful are actually shrinking in size relative to the whole organization. Um, you fast forward to time two. So this is now at the end of 20 months inside the organization, if you like. Um, the three people that they first got involved um, are still losing money, but the person who got them involved in the first place is now making a profit. They're making $1,666 in profit. Uh, not a ton of money in 10 months, but, but measurable. Like it, it, it seems to show that there's potential here. Um, I have a thunderstorm inside now. <laughs> Excellent. At least I hope that's a thunderstorm. I, I did hear rain, so I, I'm not too worried. Um, the middle tier uh, pays $1,000 and gets $111 uh, back from it. So again, they're still operating at a loss, even a bigger loss than they were before, right? Because um, just the way that this is being redistributed. 
and there's there's still not enough money in the entire system for them to be recovering that loss. In time three, you still have the same situation where the first three people that were recruited from that top person, they're still not making money. Um, but they're losing a little bit less now. They're, they're only at a loss of $664 for this period. Um, they're in the middle bracket with the same nine people that they had joined before, and you have 81 people joining the network now. So that makes a total of uh, 121 people inside the network, um, which is a total product, uh, commission pot of 12,100. So that gets split up. The person at the top is now making $7,000 in profit every 10 months, and you have three people or, and the nine people below them making a loss of 664. These people at the bottom have just, they've lost their $1,000. Um, and the people that, that are in the 27 group, they've lost $2,000 now because they entered in the previous period. So what, what you're going to see now is, now there are two groups in the bottom and two groups in the middle. In the next period, this group of three people is going to be able to move up into the top two. That's what the sticky uh, assumption was. It needed to wait until the same number of, of groups in the bottom tier equaled the same number of groups in the middle tier for the top group in the middle to move up. So what we'll see there is that now these three people are making a profit. Right? They represent 1.1% of the whole network inside the, the pyramid, and they're making a $2,033 profit across the 10 months, so now 40 months in the business. Um, there's still a very sizable chunk of the, the organization that's not making any money and is in fact operating at losses. Um, I didn't add any value into the actual product in this, this sort of organization. Within that, like when you start adding values to the product, then you can start adding consumer decisions like the decision to remain or leave uh, the organization and again that would be, be a little bit too technical for this uh, but at the same time I, I wanted I wanted to make sure that it just it, it remains simple so um, I you can add in the value of the product and you can you can just when you get to the last slide you can add in those amounts saying like oh well this is a thousand dollars product, I assume that they're going to get $500 of value from this product, so that's there. Alanda? Yes. Is my sound, my sound's okay? Yeah, you cut out there for a moment. Okay, I, I saw the unstable internet connection, so I just wanted to check. You're good. All right, let me go back, sorry. Um, in this time period five, uh, everything is pretty much staying the same. Uh, you don't have much movement going around, but you do see the shrinking in the, the percentage of the overall network because now you see that there's a sizable number of people that are required in the bottom tier. Um, and now those people at the top are making a large profit every 10 months. Right? So this is where you now start getting people making those millions of dollars out, out of the, these organizations. So again, like, this model is not really illustrating those sizable incomes yet because it's a rather slow growth model. It, 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 if you look at it as 10 month periods, it, it's going to take a, a rather long time for it to expand. But again, that has to do with the variables that I put into this model. If you adjust those variables, which many of these 
MLMs do. They, they adjust their compensation systems so they're perfected in a way for them to um, still sort of create this sensation around wanting to achieve that, that level of success, but at the same time giving um, a great deal of rewards to those who have entered early or have grown the largest size of organization. Um, and you see that in time period nine and 10. I didn't show time period nine. Um, I, I drew it out on my, my paper, but in time period nine, what you see happening is that the middle tier actually becomes profitable because the bottom has grown to such a significant size. So the, the relatively, they are rather insignificant to the number of people that are caught in the bottom. Um, what, what this illustrates is that those people that have been in the business for say 70 months, you can show that they can find success in that time. And this progression towards success can grow longer over the time period of the pyramid. So that as, as the business exists longer, it's reasonable to find that the people who stand up on the stage and say, it only took me two to three years to get where I'm at and you can be the same as me, they might not know that they're lying to you, but it is evident to suggest that they are not telling you the truth. That, that is not what's going to happen because it's not mathematically possible within many of these systems for it to produce the same results of someone who entered earlier than you in the same amount of time. Specifically, if you follow exactly the pattern of performance that they had. So, um, it's, yeah, it is, it's difficult to sort of see that on a, a level where when you just look at the compensation structure, it's obvious. And I wanted to try to riddle it down as simple as I could to sort of show that like the gestation period for success actually expands as um, you, you extend the life of the pyramid. Um, this chart that's on the side here beside, beside the image, um, it sort of gives you a breakdown of over the, the lifetime of this organization, how much money did these people lose? And as you see, like the, the losses which are at the bottom are not huge. Like it, it, it's common throughout MLM, you don't have people losing $150,000 when they, they invest into the organization. It can happen. There, there are people that have lost a significant amount of money, but it, typically what you have happening is, is that you have a large number of people losing a marginal amount of their overall annual income. And that's made up for in the fact that you, you have these like 27 people now making a million dollars over the course of their, their involvement in the organization. And, and they're the ones that are highlighted. They're the ones that are championed as, as successful. So this group three would be the nine people over the, the course of their involvement, they made a million and $90,000 or $91,000. Um, so they made a sizable profit. So they made 4% of the overall profit uh, within the organization, but they represent 0.0034% of the people that are involved in, in this organization. So um, this chart is meant to sort of illustrate all of those numbers that are operating. And then this is the amount of money that's made by the group, um, this column. 
I will add into here, because I think this is very interesting. I think it illustrates what happens very well. I mean, I think it's best to try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. Start adding in the other factors, for instance, like those break-off things, because these people at the bottom, they're running around like what I did and joining this and doing all these other things where that money is not going directly into this organization, but it's going into, you know, I liken the whole pyramid scheme, multi-level marketing scheme, whatever you want to call it, it's like an umbrella. So MLM is just you know, the top of the umbrella and everything else is fitting up underneath it. And those right. things are kind of like the fringe of the umbrella. You know, okay. And that's where people are going to those things, losing more money because they're investing in ways in an attempt to rise to the top. Right. Yeah. Because normally in an organization, that, that's what you need to do. Like it, other organizations are typically based on the fact that you, you need to find your way in order to sort of operate that shows that you are performing better than other people. And, and that performance will typically highlight you to be able to be eligible for higher positions. It doesn't work like that with an MLM. And sure, there, there, there's a possibility that you might be able to track new potential um, people below you if you can show those results but at the same time it, 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 it's very un, unlikely that, that you're going to be able to do that especially within the rule system that's set up within these organizations they don't want you attracting people from other people's teams it, it, it is very sort of it is against the policy and arguably it should be because you, the way that these these systems are set up it, it you don't want to make it more predatory than it already is so um, it's a yeah it, it, I would argue very... it becomes predatory these other things are preying on the Huns at the lower ranks yes yes you know and they a lot of them like you already said they've already been to through an MLM they've already you know conquered the the pyramid and are now teaching people their system which is different than what you learn within the organization but at the same time it still doesn't work yeah yeah it, it just they're trying to give you another new simple shortcut that doesn't work and they if they get enough people to try it they can get a few successes that make it possible to then sell it to more people and i mean that that is also how a business can operate as well but in the same fashion, that business is not requiring that you need to find other people to also buy those products in order for you to be successful in that business. It, it's not requiring, sorry, not buy those products, but go into that business and then sell those same products that you're selling to other people that you, they then need to find that will sell those products as well. In any other business, that's not happening. And that is like the crucial point that makes this whole system um, dysfunction compared to when you're talking about other companies like Walmart or Nike or Arby's. Like it, it doesn't work like those at all. Um, and many people have difficulty understanding that, including those in stock investments, or, or they also just don't care. Like they're just like, oh, this is a money-making opportunity. For them. Yeah. Certainly like it, it, it is fundamentally different and many people don't see that. I had um, some Huns and, you know, one of the things that people don't realize like on YouTube, because I, 
as a creator, there are words that I have that are, if you, if you use that word, your comment is hidden. And okay. that's, that's very intentional because I don't want the, I don't want the waters muddied. I'm not here to debate you. I'm here to inform other people. Mm-hmm. But now I forgot what I was going to say. Crap. Okay. What were you just saying? I was just talking about, <laughs> now I need to remember this. Because I, I, I was fascinated by that idea of hiding comments. I, I didn't realize that that happened. I was talking about, <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> so we both had brain farts. That's okay. You yes. Know? yes. Um, but I, I did have, oh, anyway, go on and it may, it may come back to me and we'll just. Okay. Um, th- that basically covers the main principles of this organization. Honestly, what, what you typically see uh, within an MLM company is you don't have these flat rate progression. You, do, you don't have it expanding symmetrically throughout the pyramid and everyone doing their job every level of the organization. So the risk of saturation globally is not that large, but the risk of local saturation is. And the amount of money that you can see going into these organizations, like look at the bottom tier, you have $177,147,000 being pumped in at that lower tier. In terms of retail volume for, for the country, that, that's not a lot. Like it, MLMs typically take up a, a, like 1% of the entire retail sales volume within uh, a country. But what that ignores is the fact that there are 180,000 people inside of an organization that are operating in that country, right? You don't have that with Walmart. You have like maybe 12,000 employees uh, with an, or sorry, I actually have a true number. I I should pull it up, but um, the number of their employees that are selling their products are so insignificant compared to what you see within MLMs compared to the retail sales that they make like it is Walmart as their per per distributor revenue is huge compared to what you see within MLM and that's not surprising but the the point to be made there is the fact that they're able to move so much volume from each of their staff members and MLM is not it's basically just covering the sales requirements of each of their distributors I remembered what I was going to say. <laughs> Good. Um, you know, because like I said, you know, there, there are things that you can do. You can, just because something makes a comment doesn't mean that that comment needs to be shown. You know, yeah. depending on the language that is used, depending on what the point is made. Anyway, I had someone make a comment, and within it, they said it's actually a very smart business model. But this was also someone who was at the very top. Uh, of course it's going to seem smart to you right yes yeah yeah. no because it's it's all working out for you you're in this 0.01 percent of the people that are making that huge amount of money um yes and this entire thing that you're talking about um i think this would also apply to um paid affiliate opportunities because there are a lot of things out there where people are and I got caught up in that too when I was trying to crack the nut, um, you know, of like you're paying in to be an affiliate, but you're running around all over the place selling the same thing that your next door neighbor is. It, it, it ends up being like the same thing. Right. It's a different name. Yeah. Yeah. 
And within affiliate marketing, you still have the the multi-level sort of payback scheme in, in the sense that you your you have like seven levels of pay tiers that you can get to, or is it typically restricted? Um, well. Okay, I, I will not say I'm an affiliate marketing expert, but no, you know, with an affiliate marketing opportunity, you do not pay to join, you know, yes. you don't pay to play, so to speak. For right. instance, I'm an affiliate for TubeBuddy, and there's always a link to that in my description. Yes, you know, I saw that. Yeah. And if somebody happens to get it, great. But a paid affiliate opportunity is different because it's giving you the um, false sense that you can then start selling this everywhere. I could like, let's just say that I, someone like, I'll just use Roberto Blake. Roberto Blake is fairly decent on YouTube in terms of his audience size. He can be an affiliate of something and somebody can buy it, but he has that influence. And to me, MLM goes back to influence. Affiliate marketing goes back to influence. And if you're at the bottom and you don't have that influence, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to be able to have that success of anybody participating until you do have that influence yeah then uh, i imagine it's very similar to the one organization that i've been following a lot is market america i see the connection status i'll, I'll try to wait it out is that better there's the one organization that i've been following quite regularly is called market america and, and they, they typically call their distributors unfranchised owners and they like to compare their business to franchises. Um, and when when you're talking about franchises, when you sign up for a franchise, it's very regulated. Like it, the information that you have to be given in order to start your franchise, you have to know how many people are in the local market that are going to be able to access your products that you're selling. So when McDonald's is opening up a new branch, they do a market assessment from McDonald's that they then give to that franchise owner. So they know what is the potential for me to actually do well in this business. When you enter an MLM, my understanding, I, I haven't done it myself, so I haven't signed the contracts, but the people that I've talked to, they basically just sign up on the basis that like, oh, this is a great opportunity. People have talked me into it. I don't need to see any of the like back end numbers. And my understanding, is that no one actually has those back-end numbers to really give you like they, they can give you sort of like a, a general idea of like oh yeah there's like about 3,000 people within the country that have done this so you're getting in early like the, they'll tell you those numbers but again I, I don't know how much credibility there is behind a lot of those numbers so yeah I feel I feel like it it, it would be important to make that difference if, if, if you're an influencer and you're getting in at the bottom and actually do have that difference that you can make it will make a big difference but even if you're like a really good influencer entering up at the bottom of the pyramid that might mean nothing because many of the people that you're influencing could already be sort of captured by not only this organization but the 2,000 other organizations that are operating under the same sort of yeah. structure that are that are also offering similar opportunities so yeah it's there's there's many reasons why people aren't being successful in this and I don't think it's very straightforward for them. For, for many people they just treat it like an investment decision and it's not that. There's a very sort of like structured way for you to be able to be successful in this. But, well, that goes back to you know me wanting to dig into the dark side of MLM, courses, persuasion, undue influence, all of these things that are going on that, that people don't really 
think about or realize. And I think it was my first conversation with Robert where he, and he wasn't using those words, but you know, we were talking about it. And the more that I have been into it, um, you know, I'm of course reading more and finding more information and that's where my interest lies are these, you know, insidious things that are mental, insidious mental traps that are going on underneath yeah. the surface. Definitely. Yeah, I, it, it is a fascinating topic. Like, I've been teaching AP psychology to some of my students as well, and, and the bias training that, that I go through with them, it, it, it's just, it's un uncomfortable talking about it, uh, knowing that I know people that are going through this situation and that it's not easy to help them identify that. Like it's, it's very difficult. And then, and then typically it's a defensive response that you get back. It's like, well, no, how, how do you know that you're not in a cult? Like <laughs> you, you, you believe that I'm in a cult. So obviously you must have the problem because I know all these people that don't think I'm in a cult. So it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult water to navigate. And then it ends up being a fallacious art, you know, fallacies are thrown and it's ad hominem. It's very difficult to hold that conversation. I, and there was someone else I was talking to that was saying like, he, he tries not to touch that subject. He, he wants to focus more on the, the legal aspect of it. And I, I'm sort of a, of the opinion that it, it's good that there are those different types of people approaching this differently because i i think that there's a very important social argument that needs to be built around this concept of the fact that these are very sort of insidious as you've used um factories of control and influence uh, in people's lives and we need to understand that dynamic that's at play and i think that that's a really good way to engage a social audience in this conversation but at the same point, in order for the government to then get involved, you can't go to them and say like, oh, my friend doesn't talk to me anymore. Can you, can you make them talk to me? Like it, the government's not going to be able to make a regulation around that kind of concept. So it's important that we do pursue those other legal avenues uh, where legislation currently does exist um, to sort of pursue that, that angle of addressing this problem. So. Yeah, I, I agree because there's so many prongs to this. You can't focus. I mean, there can be people that focus on one prong and then some, but you know, other people that focus on another because you can't, you can't do all of it. You can't find your own niche to focus on and zero in on that and allow other people to. But, but I'm really glad that there are people starting to look at this um, more critically. Yes, certainly. Yes, and it, it, it's good that there are qualified professionals as well getting involved in, in the arena for sure for sure um i, I want to finish off with this analysis or conversation about possibly changing the vocabulary that we use uh within pyramid um selling concerns um to talk about the iceberg model um the iceberg model was something again that john taylor brought up in his work um i particularly like this example because I, as I was reading his work, I was sort of visualizing myself in different sort of areas of perspective around the iceberg. So I, I was sort of imagining it from my current perspective of being able to sort of like swim in the water outside of the, the iceberg and being able to look up at this large sort of um, structure that was before me, uh, 
sitting above the water, right? Being sort of impressed by its size, right? Which is a lot of people who sort of look at MLM in the sense of like, wow, these people have amazing cars, amazing lifestyles. They can travel the world. They can work from their laptops uh, in Bali or, or the Bahamas. Um, so th there's that attractive quality to it. But like if, if you're knowledgeable of it, you can sort of put your head up below the water and see that there's an entirely massive organization below that where people don't see the light of day. Like they're, they're sort of, they're not getting that experience that the people at the top that are having that. And there's an option for them to get there. Like similar to the model that I just illustrated within the pyramid structure, if you're able to sort of attach more ice cubes underneath the surface of the, um, the iceberg, um, that will allow it to sort of be a little bit more buoyant at the top, which is going to allow it to raise up a little bit. Right, so you do have that kind of, like it's not just the people at the very top that are making money, you do have potential for those that are, that got in at the right moments so or were able to grow the right size organization that they can be successful as well, or quote unquote successful in the sense that they have a mass of large organization below them that they're now drawing um, their revenues from. Um, so it's, it's good in that way from being that, outsider perspective of showing it, but also if you think about it, if you were actually inside of this iceberg and say it's like a, a glass kind of structure and you're, you're looking from the inside of it and the sun rays are sort of coming down. If you're underneath the water, I've never been inside an iceberg and I don't imagine many people have had that experience either, but like I would imagine that the sunlight would be reflected around within that iceberg and you would see rainbows and it would just be this sort of like sensational like almost heavenly image that you would be seeing and you'd be sort of captivated by the sort of the impressiveness of that um, that feature that you wouldn't really be thinking about where you are in that organization it's just the fact that you're all sort of experiencing this same visualization together and it, it, it was sort of this encapsulation that, that kind of interests me uh, we were just talking about cults it's it's kind of that idea of like wow like this is an impressive thing and no one really understands it unless they get inside it like i can't tell you the number of people that i've tried to approach with this concern and sort of laying out all the data and metrics and just all the like hard facts about how this just doesn't work and they say you just haven't tried it yourself you need to come to one of these meetings you need to see it yourself and i'm like it's not going to make a difference for me but i understand why you think it does because many people don't do a ton of extensive like eight month long research on one company before they get involved it's just unheard of um you do a little bit of research and then you go to it and, and yes you can be persuaded because the tactics that they use are are persuadable especially if you're not aware of them yeah, and I think it's interesting that you have like the little arrow here that says distributors encouraged to live the life they dream of, not the life they live right now, which to me, this really echoes the law of attraction, which is definitely used within MLM, and very much so that you are to, you know, think of your future self and just, you know, dream boards. There's so many different things going on to keep you within um, the dream. The illusion alive, you know? Mm -hmm. Certainly. It, it, it brings to mind that I, I forget her name. She, she's living in Australia. She does a podcast called That's a Cult. Um, 
and she did a segment on MLMs as well, but she also did one on a, attractive, sorry, what's the term again? I always think Law of attraction. Law of attraction, yes, yeah, sorry. She did, she did a, a podcast episode on law of attraction, and it, it was very interesting for me to hear as well because I sort of went through the same evolution that she did in, in her journey of like, I don't believe in this. Like, why, why would anyone believe in this? But at the same time, she sort of got to the end of it being like, well, where am I to sort of judge that people believe in this? And if it's not doing them any harm, then it, I shouldn't have a problem with it. And I, I agree with that completely. But when it's put into a model like MLMs and it's meant to sort of instill a comfort in the fact that you are not getting anything from this opportunity, then that's a problem. <laughs> then, then it becomes that the law of attraction is being weaponized against people, yeah. and, and and that's where people should not be comfortable with it. So. Yeah, I'm actually going to have a guest come on and speak about um, law of attraction and the the um, cult he was involved in. They did what shadow something in the shadow work. I can't remember what he calls it, but as I hear him talk about it, I think about um, like the journaling exercises that I started doing and it was, which was, which was all keeping you trapped within, you know, this, this idea. Right. Yes. Keeping you busy as well. Like you, yeah. you don't have the time to sit down and do your budget statements because you've got to do these other exercises that they want you to do. that sort of completely separate you from them. Like Robert Kiyosaki's um, exercises as well that he gets people to do. Like I, I understand that maybe there's some educational value there, but I, uh, at the same time, it seems to be distracting from the more simple things that, that people can be doing to sort of better understand their position within the business, but it's trying to not get them. Yeah. It's distracting you from the reality, from reality. Yeah. No, so, yeah. It, it, this, this model, I, I haven't built any sort of mathematics around it, but it, even visually, it, it better represents the realities of the MLMs. They, they typically do form more of a diamond shape in, in the sense that there are certain lakes that expand. In, in certain ways, I d they don't make a, a nice fancy iceberg type shape. But um, looking at at some of the structures that I've seen, I did, there was actually uh, one founder who posted on Instagram. The you couldn't read the names, but you could at least get the, a sense of the structure, and it looked very similar to 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 this kind of design. He was sort of outlining the fact that this person had built an entire organization, and I guess that they had to do some restructuring because they had. Uh, I, I believe that they had passed away, but like the fact that he was posting that online, it was just, it, it was so fascinating for me that they just don't see a problem with that. They, they don't see a, a sense of like, this is, this is kind of building a case against them, but what have you. It, 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 for me, it, it, it better captures some of the, the ideas within pyramid schemes. And, and if you say someone to someone that they're in an iceberg scheme, I, I feel like that there's not really a, a scripted response to that. So it puts you in the position where then I now have the, the ability to describe to you what the concerns are within this model. Um, and you don't necessarily have the easy sort of comebacks to, to offer. Well, really, I mean, the, uh, the comebacks that they really have, is, I, I can remember being taught this, what's a pyramid scheme just to play dumb? And it's like, oh, really gravy. I mean, just these different things. And I see it over and over and over again on social media. It's this right. thing being perpetuated. Yeah. But, you know, I just hope they, you do find the world of anti-MLM and are able to wake up out of the dream. Yeah. 
No, it, I, the, there is that hope. And I, I mean, the more people that are added to these groups and organizations, it, it's growing that potential as well. So it, we can we can maintain that hope. It, it, it's a slow it's a slow burn, but I I think it's making a real difference. So we got to keep it up. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not stopping. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, I I have noticed that about you. So that's <laughs> that, that's very good. So it just fuels me to keep going. It's like okay, I'm doing the right thing. If if I um kind of irritate someone a bit, I'm like okay, I'm doing the right thing. Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've had very similar feelings, and I I, I think that anyone who's watching this should be encouraged not to step outside their comfort zone too much and to sort of make that decision before they sort of put their toe in the water to be public about this kind of information. But when they get there, know that um, they're not alone, that there are other people within this community that are also interested in, in sort of sharing the voice that they're trying to share. And, and we're trying to be as supportive of one another in, in the different avenues that we're taking to approach this. Um, but also beyond that kind of when you get that first sort of scare, um, try to sort of really check in with yourself and sort of see see where your comfort level is. Don't, don't just let it completely drive you away from, from doing this, kind of do that check. I, I don't think it's right for me to tell you to keep going with it because you, you need to make sure that, that this is the right thing for you when that does happen. But uh, um, I think it, it doesn't just mean one thing when you, when you get that first sort of scare that like oh they're paying attention to me oh this is this is really bad now now it's being taken seriously i think it's important to do that check well you know i will add to it it's like you know it is a little bit like you're I know i'm taken aback a bit like if there is something that is unpleasant and you know recently of having a, a video again not being shown in particular countries like right. okay whatever you know but at the same time i'm like okay i was victimized by the MLM and everything that, that associated with it. I'm not going to be further victimized by somebody attempting to bully me and shut me down from speaking out against what is happening to thousands upon thousands of people. I will still continue to talk about it because I think it's important to talk about. And those critics, those people that are saying that, you know, Basically, oh, I just must have, you know, failed or I didn't work hard, you know, whatever they say. You're welcome in my community once you wake up. But you need to have, you need to come up out of that slumber because you really until, and I can remember being so into it that um, there were things that, that were happening and I was on attack mode myself. That's what you're trained to do. Right. But then when it's kind of like when, when you see it, you see, you, you see it. You can't unsee what is actually happening once you finally do. But not yeah, everyone I, is able to wake up. Yeah. I, it's going to be hard to show me on video at the moment right now. We had our regular power out. Uh, there it comes. Talking <laughs> <laughs> um, to a few academics and they've said very similar things as well. Like, the moment that they better understood the system of MLMs, they've tried to sort of step away and work on other projects, but it's just so hard to not do something about this, like to not have it be something that affects you. Um, because 
that that weight of knowing that there's millions of people yeah. that are in this organization and that they're in a position that you were in at one point or that you knew someone that was in at one point right it's it's so hard to just be like mm, okay <laughs> it's it's done <laughs> you 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 have to you feel compelled to stay in it and, and i I sympathize with those people that share those feelings because <laughs> you and I are both in that. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully some, some real difference is made. And I, I think it's powerful that, that you're talking to a lot of important people uh, on your channel. And I, I do want to wish you the best of luck and, and, and maybe we can wrap things up here, but I do hope um, to, to stay in touch and hopefully maybe appear again. Oh, absolutely. I, I actually was going to say the iceberg model. I would love to see you do some math around it because I think that would be important to show in addition. I, I, I am not a good with math. I mean, you know, I, I will use a calculator and come up with the wrong answer. You know, I, I suck at math. I admit it. But I think it's important to be able to share those numbers and show you because numbers don't lie, you know? Yeah. They, tell you a lot and so i think that that we really need to consider how can we further illustrate this in a way for, to help people understand and maybe they don't understand today but maybe in six months maybe in two weeks maybe there will be something that will snap and and I, I'm totally open to the fact that, and, and humble to the idea that i didn't explain this very well but there's someone else who might watch this and they might have a much better way of explaining it and I say go for it like if you if you want me to give you any of the stuff that I, I worked on to sort of give you a, a head start I'm very happy to share that as well because I mean ultimately this isn't this isn't my baby that I'm trying to build this is something that I I just I want to sort of expose some of the concerns that I'm building within this and I hope someone else can take it and, and run with it I, I, I'm not worried about copyright or anything like that in this I just I, I want this problem to not be something that people have to deal with in the future. I think you've done an, an excellent job. And I've started, I told you I was going to do um, a video on the social function of reciprocity within multi-level marketing. Yes. And, you know, and I, I'm building kind of a model around it. And I think whatever my first video is, it's like, it's, it's not going to be something like, well, this is set in stone. It's kind of like, these are the ways that I'm thinking about it, you know, and I'm trying yeah. to, to mold it. Um, I guess it's my think aloud to the world so that yes. maybe help someone understand it on, and, and, and within that context. Right. Yeah. That being open to criticism in this kind of thing, I, I think is important because the MLMs are not. <laughs> and if, if, if we, if we be the same as them, then I, I think that we're not, we're not helping some of the bigger problems. So I, as long as we're, we're open to, to hearing those responses, which I am, but I just have, I never get the, the 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 true feedback on that. So if anyone's watching this and, and does see major problems, please let me know because I, I would want to fix them. So thank you again, Melinda, for, oh. for having me on. Thank, thank you for being here. Um, and I appreciate it. And I would love to have you back on the channel. So Excellent. have an amazing... I'll, I'll get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye. -bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave as much as I did, and I hope that it did shed some light on the overall issue with multi-level marketing. If you like this type of content, then go ahead and 
hit that subscribe button and make sure you also hit the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up. By doing any type of engagement, it really does help my content go out more so more people can see it and also learn about the perils of multi-level marketing. And remember, change starts now.